0: Sorry. It's been a long day. <laughs> I imagine. Okay. And I get to, so I, we'll get into our thing, but I should, um, I have a different mic today. Why am I picking it up? It probably sounds all crazy if I pick it up. <laughs> I have a mic. I pick it up for the camera, which no one else who's listening to this can see. But i I, so I'm in New York recording this podcast in the middle of a bunch of other things. So I'm testing out this blue snowball microphone that blue sent me to test out. So, we're going to okay. see how it works. So,
1: and I checked the mail. Our mail has not come yet today, but I know that you're sending me. Yes, it should a be
0: there. It's you it, sh- it should be there via UPS. It says it'll be there by the end of the day. So,
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I made I made my fiance go check in the rain because I was like um well also today is my birthday so i'm like i get to tell you to do whatever i want
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes and happy birthday by the way thank you we we will not ask how old you are i know better so we'll just
1: i think you know how old i am it doesn't matter
0: 29 ish 20, yeah,
1: I've been celebrating my 28th birthday for about eight years, so you if you can do math, you can find out. <laughs> so,
0: I won't I won't mention who because you know she raised me well, but I know someone who's been celebrating their 29th birthday for a very long time. So
1: <laughs> I like well, to go with 28 because it's a little more arbitrary. It's like you're really not trying to, but I'm like I'm sense. well I'm well past my like my early 30s, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just like I'm on that I'm officially on that downward descent to 40. <laughs>
0: 40 so. is uh, not that bad. I was, anyway, I'm older than that, but we'll leave that alone for now. Oh, no, she
1: so. just turned
0: 40. No, I just turned 41 actually. Oh. So I turned 40 a while ago, but that's oh. okay.
1: I remember your 40th birthday when we yes. were together. So, anyway.
0: So, so I have some follow up because um, I'm in New York City and I have, last week when we talked, I did not have, I had not yet had the opportunity to use. The new iPhones. I now have both an iPhone 12 Pro and an iPhone 12, yeah. and so I've been um, I've been using those for the last I guess it's been half of a week, and um, it's the the reason I bring it up is I want to say that if you are thinking of buying an iPhone 12. Because the iPhone 12 has 5G. And when I say you, I don't mean Jess necessarily.
1: It's only because he's looking at me it's right fair. now. We're talking to our listeners.
0: <laughs> right. Um, you should not buy it because of 5G. You've probably heard that already, but I'm just going to tell you. But I will say that if you're able to take advantage of actual 5G, it's insane. Yesterday, on the way from the airport to my hotel in New York City, as we were going through Times Square... I think my phone was at something around like eight or 900 megabytes per second downloading, which is ridiculous. And that's not even as fast as you can conceivably get. But as soon as we turned the corner, it was back down to 40. Mm -hmm. So it's very um, geographically constrained. You have to have line of sight to one of the towers. Good luck knowing where those are. They're generally, the other thing that's weird about it to me is they're generally out on the streets. You know, you can't get 5G, ultra-wideband, the f- super-fast kind, inside of buildings, which is kind of weird, because we all spend most of our time inside of buildings, right? Nobody's just right. out wandering around, even in New York City. So having super, super-fast... And what are you going to do with super-fast internet? You're not going to stand out on the street corner to download an entire season of Ted Lasso from Apple TV, I right?
1: mean, I, I probably wouldn't. But
0: you, you, but you have Wi-Fi, <laughs> Right? right, you, don't, you yeah. don't need it even faster, and it's not like the the kind of cellular service that you have right now, LTE for almost everyone in America, is more than fast enough to just stream it. So right. downloading right. the whole series, all ten episodes in about a minute, which you could conceivably do if you were standing outside underneath a five G ultra wideband mm-hmm. connection point. So what? We're gonna go like out Like it's yeah. It's,
1: well, it's yeah. Weird. The only way I could see that being helpful, okay, say uh, I'm going on a road trip and I try to remember to download anything I want to watch beforehand while I'm still in Wi-Fi. And if I forgot, but now I'm in five G, I could download that really quickly and easily without being in
0: Wi-Fi. So, if you happen to be like in a five G uh, area, where you, now yeah. again we should just briefly differentiate. 5G is confusing because it encompasses multiple different types of technology because 5G just means fifth generation. And there are a couple, and there's, so there's the kind that if you're on T-Mobile or AT&T or Verizon that you get most places, which is what's which is known as sub six because of the frequency. And that's generally supposed to be faster than 4G, which is LTE, but not a ton faster. You know, you might get a couple hundred megabytes per second. That's great. The ultra wideband stuff, which is really like the thing that they want you to be thinking about when they say 5G, which is the gigabytes per second, mm-hmm. has a range that you measure in meters, not miles, right? So you have to literally be... Stand- so if you're on a road trip, you're not going to be driving down the street and doing and using right. wideband. You'd have to literally park <laughs> right underneath the tower... Do your thing and then move on. Now it's fast enough that you could park for like five minutes while your kids go into the bathroom if the ba- if the gas station had a five G thing,
1: right? Uh, or I could go to a m- park at a McDonald's that has Wi Fi and right. Download
0: That's the my the thing stuff it's the same. It's it, the
1: I, same thing.
0: I feel like right now it's solving a problem that none of us have, especially because we're not leaving our house.
1: Right. Well, I am like people in Arkansas, like in Little Rock, are you know walking around the streets doing a lot of outdoor stuff uh, in our our weather. Well, right now it's really crappy out. Um, with rain and such, but there's a lot of outdoor events where I could see in a bigger city, bigger than Little Rock, where it could be really helpful. And, you know, eventually we're going to get back to a place where people are milling around the streets in large metropolitan cities, such as New York City. And that's when I'm kind of excited to see how, what people think of it and what the reaction is, how well it works in, in quote unquote, real life, which has not been this year, <laughs> it's right. but real life.
0: Well, and the interesting thing was, so I just went from the hotel I'm staying at, which is somewhat near Times Square, to, to Grand Central Terminal. So I was over by the old office, actually. Well, it's not the old office. It's your current company's office. And... um so I've, I took the subway over there, but walking to the subway, and walking from the subway, I didn't see anyone standing on the sidewalk underneath the 5G thing, downloading Ted Lasso. That's just not something that people yeah. do. You don't go outside to connect to the internet. Like that's not the world that we, no. that's not the world that we live in. So all that's to say is it's solving a problem that we don't currently have. However, it's possible as the networks get built out that it could actually be a really useful thing because you really could work anywhere and conceivably if you can get five, seven or eight hundred megabytes per second internet close to your home or in your home now you're suddenly no longer why would you pay for home internet
1: well i mean i have ATT, t so i have data restrictions uh the amount of data that i can use um, we're not grandfathered into that um, unlimited data anymore so i would still definitely need to have wi-fi
0: but if your five G AT and service, this is a hypothetical because this is not a thing at this point, but if it was a thing, you would probably be willing to pay some amount more than what you pay right now to be on an actual unlimited plan if it meant you could stop paying for your home. Right.
1: Yes, I would, um, especially working remotely, because I saw even that T Mobile was advertising that two new iPhone 12s for a hundred bucks a month with unlimited five G. And that is appealing to me if this is actually pans out and it's, it's useful. So and I, because I pay about 50 bucks a month for internet. And so if I was able to bring my phone bill down to a hundred and not have to pay for Wi-Fi and a, and a router every month, that would be, a, you know, fairly significant cost saving.
0: Yeah. So we'll it'll be interesting. I don't, we're just, the point of it is we're not there yet. <laughs> and I, um, that, Executive editor at Inc. suggested, hey, how do I know when I should even upgrade my iPhone? Like, what what would be the, like, when, how do I know if my iPhone is too old? So I did actually write a piece about it that we'll link to. And it basically says, like, how to know if your phone is too old. Why should you upgrade? And I kind of went through the different reasons. The bottom line is, for most people, if you if you have, if you just want the latest things, great. Get the iPhone 12. But don't do it because it has 5G. That's not that's not a thing anymore. And even if you upgraded to an 11, by the time they come out with the next iPhone, that will probably still happen before 5G is enough of a thing to make it worthwhile. Right.
1: But what you did love about the camera, from what you're telling me so far, is the camera. And that was that is that a good reason to upgrade? So that if you're like me, who has a 10 and just has one camera,
0: yeah. And that's a good point because it does depend on what phone you have right now. So if you have an 11 or an 11 Pro, probably not. The cameras are good. The camera, uh, the lens on the 11, I mean, on the 12 Pro has a wider aperture on the, on what they call the wide camera, which is generally the normal one. It's the middle one. It's the one that most people use most of the time. It's actually the equivalent of the camera that you have on your iPhone 10 but it has a wider aperture. So that just means that's more light in. So in the same circumstances, an iPhone 12 pro would be able to leave the shutter open longer than another phone because it's able to let more light in, which means it'll be less blurry, less, you know, uh, noisy. It won't be as grainy. So in that case, the 12 pro is a pretty good phone. Uh, if if the cameras are a, an important thing for you. The 12, really, though, is even more interesting because the only thing it lacks is that telephoto. So for someone like you who has a 10, or if somebody's using a 7 or an 8, a 10 or a 10R, even the iPhone 12, which adds an ultra-wide lens, is going to be an insane improvement in camera. Uh, it's able to shoot... HDR photos, which just means high dynamic range, which means that, you know, the human eyeball is able to tell the difference between shadows and light areas really well, right? You can, Mm -hmm. right, you can stand in a room and the, the bright areas don't look blown out and the dark areas don't look muddy. Cameras are really bad at that. High dynamic range just means the camera is doing a better job at giving you detail in both of those areas. Because, you know, if you take a picture even right now, like on Zoom, if you have a really bright background, you're really dark, right? Yeah. If your look normal, then the light behind you, the windows just look totally blown out. This right. because the cameras on our laptops are just not that good. But on your phone, it would do a better job of showing detail in both your face and the light behind you. So that's, that's an, a huge improvement. In the video, it does the same thing. And the video is able to shoot with Dolby Vision, which is high dynamic range video. All that really means is if you buy one of the iPhone 12s or the iPhone 12s Pro, the photos and the videos you take now will still look amazing in 30 years. Whereas the photos you took on an iPhone seven years ago are pretty much garbage. They were amazing at the time because it was we could it was
1: t- brand new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but but these will look incredible on any device you'll ever own. So I'm curious
1: that- to see what it would look like to try to take a selfie because if I ever try to take a selfie, I look like a monster. <laughs> or as ted in the show ted lasso would say an ussy <laughs> yeah. because i had never heard that word before oh can i get an ussy because it's not a selfie if it's more than two if
0: it's more than one person more than right. one person so yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the front-facing cameras are actually a lot better too so you now get dark mode on the front-facing cameras the, the selfie camera the ussy camera whatever and you can also get um These cameras can also do dark mode and portrait mode at the same time, which is pretty wicked cool, actually. So, And on the 12 Pro, the 12 Pro has a LiDAR sensor, which is this little black spot right there below the cameras. Uh And that's basically, it's kind of like a laser. It's light, distance, and ranging. So it it's kind of like having a a laser that goes out and is able to see the space so it's able to see a person's face know that it's a face and compensate accordingly for that but that means that you can shoot some pretty cool portrait things even in low light so
1: i think you're one of the only other people i know besides myself that still says wicked cool
0: it was very (laughs) wicked cool yeah
1: (laughs) i say that people make fun of me so maybe that's just because we're, we're we're in a jive now but you there might have got it from me who knows yeah. <laughs> We can, and if you want to we can talk about Ted Lasso a little bit since we talked about it on the last episode and we've made several references to it and people might be like what the heck are they talking about because um, it's pretty new a new show on Apple TV Plus
0: let's do that And and before we jump to that I was just going to say I'll add a link or I'll post a couple photos so I was at an event this morning for Lucid Motors that's why I came to New York City was for this electric car i'm not going to say too much about it now because i have to work on a piece and i'm not 100 sure um but the side benefit was cars are very cool to photograph <laughs> and so, ta- so i showed up with the iphone 12 and the iphone 12 pro as the only camera video stuff i had a little gimbal and shot video and photos of it. it and it's actually a really good example of what the cameras can do so i will post a couple of those photos along with the show notes for this episode so that yeah. you can just Jason did. Those.
1: Jason did send me some a uh, couple pretty wicked cool photos. Yeah, of the, very cool <laughs> of the of the car. It looked uh, pretty sharp.
0: My kids were like, "What is that?" It's a car, kids. Oh, yeah, I know it's a car, <laughs> but well, it's I really, really
1: liked cool. the lighting too. The light yeah. that was above the car, would, like, really added some yes. uh, cool dimension to the picture.
0: So yeah, so let's talk about Ted Lasso.
1: Yes, yeah, my new favorite show right now. Uh, do you know when the season two is going to be released?
0: Sometime next year. But I have to ask a question. Was it last week that we talked about it? Yes. So you so since we talked last week, which is a week ago, you watched the whole thing.
1: Yes, I'm very sedentary.
0: (laughs) That's fine. It's (laughs) only 10 episodes. So that's not like that.
1: And they're not that long.
0: No, they're it's a half an hour. So that's only five hours of television. I'm not giving you a hard time. I was just doing the math in my head. I'm like, nope she because we had been watching an episode. So, we used to watch Friends all the time. But oh, yeah. I grew
1: that. up on that show.
0: But, I mean, we used to watch it until, like, we finished it for the fourth time through the whole se- series. Sometime in the winter, maybe last winter. So, we've been looking for something else. We had tried to get into This Is Us, which is a great show. I
1: love This Is Us. Oh, my but, gosh. But
0: I can't watch it before I go to bed because all I want to do is, like, check out mentally and that requires you to think and have feelings. And I don't want to have feelings unless it's laughter. So... We started watching this uh, Ted Lasso. We we took a couple weeks, but that's because we would only watch like an episode.
1: But you go to bed a while earlier than I I do. do. I do. So on the weekends, we'd
0: watch them for a couple days. So we finished it a week or so ago. You finished it pretty quick. So I actually
1: okay. Well, I actually watched more than. So I started watching it, and I watched like two episodes. Now that's it thought, so, okay, my fiancé Marcus is really going to like this, so I'll, I'm going to stop and I'm willing to start over because we have shows that are our shows that we watch independently and shows that we watch together. I'm like, this is going to be a together show. So I stopped watching and I rewatched the first two episodes with him and then we finished it um, just the other night, but since it was so late um, I fell asleep for the last two episodes, so I had to rewatch <laughs> those and I was, I guess I was drifting in and out because I remembered some parts, but I think that this show was exactly what 2020 needed because you laughed. It was because it's freaking hilarious and it it provided this type of hope that I feel like we all need right now because um, Jason Sudeikis, I'm not saying his name, right?
0: Sudeikis. Yep.
1: um, He just, his character was so great about, you know, really like being resilient and not caring about all the external factors that you can't control. And so as I told you in my text the other night, um, any show that can make me laugh out loud and like a, like a belly laugh that feels so good and cathartic and also make me tear up because it's somewhat, it's, it was inspirational and it does provide hope, especially after I don't want to make any for people who haven't watched it. I don't want to ruin anything after the last episode and how, how that ended. I, I thought that was going to go a different way. Actually. Uh, it was just so good, and I, I did cry a little bit at the last one, and we were always, like, walking around house, um, <laughs> like, Jamie Trent, 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 like, Baby Shark for Baby Trent, and Roy, um, ba- uh, Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart, and then Roy Kent, Roy Kent, <laughs> it's just everything about it was so catchy, and, like, there's so many great one-liners in that show, so I think we all needed, we this year, we all need laughter, and we all need hope, and Ted Lasso is a a great buffer to this year it couldn't have come at a better time
0: yeah and my take on the show really was that it proves that optimism is a superpower mm-hmm. that being optimistic about situations can be the thing especially when you're leading a team through a really difficult time which he is the premise of the show, in case you aren't familiar, it's on Apple TV Plus, so you can go and subscribe or you can get a 14 day trial and you can just watch the whole thing because it's only 10 episodes. And then if you hate everything else, you could cancel it. I'm not trying to sell you Apple TV Plus. I am trying to sell you on Ted Lasso, but he is a, it's based on a commercial from 2013, a character where he's an uh, American football coach who goes to the English Premier League to coach, to manage, excuse me. A football club, but he doesn't know anything about what we call soccer, right? And they call football, and it's football. hilarious. Football, <laughs> he's ho- it's hilarious. But at every turn, there are—I mean, the the team isn't great. I'm not going to—I don't want to give away too many things, but it's it, it's a tough situation, and yet he's a, he's consistently optimistic in it, and it helps. It changes things. The outcome changes based on the way that he is able to impact his team because of his optimism so i would agree with you that's sort of exactly what it's like the best show for 2020
1: it kind of gave me the same feels as a movie i like to watch a lot like maybe once a year forrest gump because it takes you through all the emotions like the myriad of emotions that you can have but in a tv show rather than a movie
0: See, I thought you were going to say Elf, because I I feel like Elf is the best. best I love
1: one. Elf, too. Elf, Elf is great. Movie. Elf, and Elf. It, just a disclaimer for listeners, do not watch Ted Lasso. Well, Ted Lasso is a great show. Don't watch it with your kids. Jason gave me a warning not to do this. Yes. Because at first I thought, oh, my kids love sports. They'll like this. So I started watching by myself and I was like, I now understand why I cannot watch this with even my teenage children.
0: <laughs> yes. So the, bo- the bottom line is it's the it's just, there's some language. <laughs> when I say some,
1: a lot. Gra- like graphic language too. Yes. Remember, in I things- texted you one in particular. I was like, okay, now I get it. <laughs>
0: yes. And there's some inappropriate, like it's not kid friendly. It's not really family friendly, friendly but it is not... Um, if you're okay with language and some inappropriate and some like graphic language in a comic, comedic sense, then you'll be fine with it. But if you hate that sort of thing, please don't send me mail. I understand. I'm warning you now that there is some language. Um, <laughs> we, I, I tried to recommend it to my parents, and my wife was like, "You can't recommend that show to your parents. We, oh, can't, gosh. we can't let if they start watching it and they know that we watch it." I'm like we're grownups it's okay at this point but i
1: recommended it to my dad because i knew he would love it and to my brother because i knew he He said he'd heard of it and he has apple tv plus too i just went ahead and subscribed it's five dollars a month and i know not everyone has five dollars a month but it was pretty for me i'm like whatever i spend more on other yeah. subscriptions than that than that and I'll, if i don't find anything else i like then i'll i'll cancel it but I don't have also I don't have cable so I do Hulu, Netflix and Apple TV and that's way less than what cable would cost me anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, and the interesting thing about Apple TV is like it is only I think it's 6 bucks a month, right? 5 bucks 4.99. 4.99 a month. Okay, great. But if you had bought an iPhone or something in the last year or you actually a Mac or Disney a- Plus or if you bought disney plus
1: yes because my brother said he got disney plus and he got it for a year
0: okay so if you bought something there's there's a bunch of things that if you would have bought one you could get a free year and apple just extended that free year because there are not a lot of things on on apple tv plus right now um in fact there was rumors over the weekend that apple might try to buy the newest bond movie and I think that they should just try to buy all the Bond movies because then it would be worth paying the four bucks, five bucks a month or whatever. But yeah, so Apple TV Plus, it's in my opinion, it's worth it for that show. There are a couple other shows that are good. The Morning Show was actually really good, and they've started production on the second season of that. Didn't you for, say
1: For All of Mankind? For
0: All Mankind is pretty good. They, That's what I was going
1: to watch next.
0: And, and they apparently, I think I have this right, have mostly finished the second season production-wise they just were wrapping it up now that they're able to go back to work. And so hopefully mm-hmm. that will come out soon. And they announced that, I think, um, uh, I can't remember, but there's another show that the second season is supposed to premiere like the beginning of next year. So they are getting back to start. Right,
1: yeah. And I do want to make a note too, for people that don't have Apple TVs, because sometimes if people are not informed about how easy it is to get Apple Plus, because I was one of them, It was amazing. I have a Roku smart TV, and I have um, a Fire TV plugin on two different TVs, and it was 100% easy to activate Apple TV uh, Plus on both of them. It was just like downloading any other app, logging in, and getting started. So don't be afraid to not watch if you don't have an Apple device.
0: That's a good point because – so this is confusing, so let's just try to go through it. There's a thing called Apple TV, and it's a little box you plug into your television. We have several right. of them at our home. That's one thing. There is an app on your iPhone, on your Apple TV box, and on, on your, your Mac MacBook. called Apple TV. That's, right. It's a piece of software. It's a different thing, but it has the same name. There is also a third thing, which is a service called Apple TV Plus that you pay money to subscribe to. That you can then use on your phone, on your Mac, on those on that box called Apple TV. But you can also use the service on any smart TV from Samsung, LG, Vizio, or Sony made in the last two years. Any Roku device, any Fire TV device, and obviously any Apple device. Or you can also watch it in the browser on mm-hmm. any Mac or PC. So you can get Apple TV+. Plus the service anywhere, even if you don't have Apple TV, the device.
1: I would be impressed if you couldn't get it basically because there's so many places you can get it. As long as you have a computer or a phone, you should be able to get
0: Apple TV. Well, and the interesting thing about that though, is when you think about it, Apple tends to be pretty closed in terms Mm -hmm. of the way that they make services and things available. But in this case, in order to make it worthwhile, they have to make it available everywhere, and they have. So I, th- I think that's really cool. So, okay, uh, so we should move on to some new stuff because that was a lot of.
1: Yeah, let's let's switch. A large gears amount a little of follow ups so. I, I would I would love to talk about TV uh, Ted Lasso all all, all day just because because I liked it so much. But yeah, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, what do you want to go with first?
0: Um. Okay. So let's start with we can talk about the Google stuff. So let's let's okay. talk about that. Tell me, tell me what your thoughts were.
1: I mean, okay. To me, it doesn't feel that different.
0: So let's uh, tell people what we're talking about first.
1: Okay. So Google, the G Suite became Google Workspace, which to me just feels like a rebrand. I haven't played with any of new, the new features to really understand. I know that for, um, for w- where I work, the rebrand was a big deal because they're, um, they work with my company. Uh, so we had to do a whole rebranding thing for a lot of our articles. Um, I've noticed my icons have changed for my calendar and my, uh, my Gmail, any Google product I use. And apparently it's supposed to be more AI powered, but I'm not sure yet. I just haven't explored it enough yet. And I was actually trying to read about it a little bit today and I'm, I'm still not sure what is so different and you probably know more about this than me because <laughs> you are you stay two steps ahead of everything. So what are your thoughts?
0: Well, so I was just pulling it up. So I because I okay, so I have this, it's it's an unwritten rule that I have for myself. Maybe it's a goal, not a rule. I'm not really sure. But my goal slash rule is that anytime that anyone ever asks me a tech-related question, I want to have already written an article about it.
1: Yes. No, you've told me this. Before. And,
0: that, and this is true in this case. So back on, it was October 7th. I'll put a link. I did actually write about this. And there's really two things that sort of happened at the same time. The first is they rebranded G Suite as Google Workspace and changed all the icons logos which by the way people are not happy about because now they all look basically exactly the same it's very hard to discern because they're all the same colors just slightly different shapes and it's kind of a nightmare on that part of it and but that's the branding part of it is aside the product itself changed in a couple of actually pretty useful ways for example you can now link Let's say you have a Google Doc and you link to a Google Slides presentation. If you want, you can preview that presentation without having to open it in another tab, which is kind of nice because you don't actually like have to add another Chrome tab or Brave tab or Safari tab or whatever. You can also launch a group chat from within a document. So that's cool. Let's say there's three people who are all, you know, the little bubble faces up at the top Mm -hmm. working on something. You can sort of chat with all of them to actually have a conversation about the document instead of, say, going to Slack or something like that. So that's pretty cool.
1: Are you talking about like a voice chat conversation or just like a chat stream?
0: So yes, you could either, essentially, because Google has products for both of those things. Also, let's say you're in a chat as in a, a messaging chat, like you might be doing in Slack, but let's say you're using, um, Google meet for that. Uh You can actually, from that group chat, start a document that you all are sharing right there in, in your chat. So you don't have to like it. So it's really built around some collaboration. It'll also let you at mention people, you know, and it'll show you like their contact information and different things. So it's, it's really adding. So G Suite was already, I don't think anybody would argue with this, G Suite was already better at collaboration than Microsoft Office, for example, right? Yeah. Because you can all be working on the same document in real time. You don't have to save it and email it file to people. And it fixed all those things. Now they're just making it even easier to collaborate. And, and I, so I, I think it's pretty cool. Did they need to change the name? I, I don't think so. Did they need to change the logos? Definitely not. But... I think the reason that they companies do that is so that there's this very obvious cue. Hey, this is different. Right. Right. We, and we I did something new.
1: And they're trying to stay more modern. Like if you think about the the Gmail uh logo whole thing, it's kind of a little bit outdated. You know, it looks kind of, you know, Yahoo excite.com, <laughs> you know, looking. So I don't the the logos haven't really bothered me, but I know where my stuff is, so uh, that actually hasn't popped up for me. Like right now, I'm looking at the mail logo and the calendar logo, and they're very different. I mean, yes. the color scheme is kind of the same, but they're different. It's easy for me to differentiate. So,
0: but here's the thing: they aren't better,
1: no, <laughs> necessarily
0: than what was there before. Um, Which means, why did you change them?
1: Yeah. The male one is particularly atrocious to me because it's just like looks like an M with colors, their color scheme.
0: Yes. In in fairness, the old, okay, in fairness, Google's design language is not my favorite thing. I've said this before that generally my rule is that friends don't let friends use Gmail because it's such an ugly interface overall. (laughs) That's just my own opinion. I know that there are so many people who don't agree. I think there are two types of people in the world. There are people who have like a sense of design and a sense of taste and a sense of whatever, and then there are people who use Gmail and think it looks good.
1: Well, we'll have to have an offline discussion about that.
0: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that. That's- I,
1: but I also hate email. I hate, but I look, I work for a Slack centered company, but I just, I don't like email.
0: Well, and I don't mind email. I just don't like the interface of the Gmail web experience or the app, for that matter. So I, I I don't mind using Gmail. I have no problem with Gmail as a service. Like we all use Gmail. I mean, come on. But I would just prefer to connect, you know, to a to a different mail app. Interesting. So yeah, I
1: do think it make uh, the whole. Um, collaboration features and being able to chat and a document create a, a stream, whatever it makes me wonder if that is going to compete with things like Zoom and Slack because you can do it all in one place rather than having to have external programs that you use.
0: Well, and definitely that's one of the things Google's trying to do. Google has never done a very good job of chat. Products, it's I mean, it's had Google Hangouts and Google Hangouts Meet and Google Hangouts Chat and now Google Meet. It's so it's confusing, and you'd be forgiven if you have no idea like that some of these things even exist. Mm -hmm. Um, because you can do all of them from Gmail. You can like be in Gmail and you can start a chat, or you can start a video meeting with people like from Gmail. Why would you do that from Gmail? Well, there are some like legitimate reasons because you'd be like, Oh, I'm I just got this email from this person why don't we just have a meeting? I can click here and do that. But like instinctively, we are so used to, um, normally I would just email them a Zoom link, right? And then we would jump Mm -hmm. on Zoom or I would drop them a message in Slack. And Google wants to make all of those things in the same place. And the reason that they're using Gmail to do that is Gmail is where we all spend all of our time if you have to use email.
1: Right. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. and if Maybe we start using Google Meet more, Google Chat whatever i just don't want one more place for to have to go to things so it if if that is going to become a central place something else has to be eliminated because i'm done using more systems for more things
0: right so sorry go ahead
1: no i'm just i i would be against it if we still had to keep another if we didn't eliminate something else and where i work slack is never is not going to be eliminated zoom i don't (laughs) think so so we just have to see i we i don't think we would be early adopters of changing uh how we do things but
0: yeah and if you have something that works it would be it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try to make a change that big so everybody has to get used to something new because that just slows down and now instead of doing the thing that you do you have to spend time trying to figure out how to use a tool to help you do the thing that you do just keep doing the thing you do so right yeah so on that note we've established that Gmail is bad, <laughs> no matter what, the app. I want to talk about what some of our favorite apps are in terms of, quote, productivity. And I'm mostly thinking about... Um, apps that you use in iOS 14, although most of them, if you're still using iOS 13, you can use as well, but I've started working on a piece, I haven't published it yet, and so I'm, I'm just thinking through, like, what are some of the very best apps that people should know about, and I don't know if you have some of those favorites, I'm happy to talk about some of them, but I like knowing here are some things that people have found really valuable. And so I like talking about that. So I thought it would be kind of a nice, especially because a lot of people who might be listening to this are having to figure out all these things on their own. They don't have a company maybe that says, here's your device and here's all the apps you need. It's like, I got to figure out the mm-hmm. system on my own. So I'm curious, what are some of the things that you have? And I, and I have a list as well. We
1: might want to start with your list. I don't have right. a lot of apps on my phone, like for work productivity, I I use Slack, obviously, um, on my phone, and I use Google Calendar pretty extensively on my phone. If I'm not physically at my desk at that moment, those are very—I find those very easy to use. But I work-wise, I'm pretty (laughs) Mac-centric.
0: So your your you would probably say that for quote work. 80 to nine, maybe 90 percent of your time is spent on your macbook air
1: is that true yes
0: okay and so the phone is more of a personal thing
1: usually i mean if i have to go run an errand or if i'm not there like i'll definitely use slack to respond to things i'll even i'll use google docs on my phone to make some edits or look at comments and things like that but I much prefer to be in my computer for work. And I don't use a task. Like I know you use Google. No, it's not Google things. You just use things as a task management tool. I don't use a task management tool on my phone. I, another thing we were thinking about talking about was the digital divide between pen and paper and using digital products. But I, I I, just keep that on paper. It's one thing i I've tried to use different things. I've used one Microsoft OneNote. <laughs> I've used, um, Be I've
0: careful. Used... There are people who really, really, really like OneNote. So
1: okay. I've used um, I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. What's the one with the green uh, icon? You're
0: talking about Evernote?
1: Yeah, Evernote. I've used that before, but just something about having things on paper still resonates with me. Maybe I'm I'm I really am getting a little old school.
0: So okay. So this would be fun. Maybe not. Maybe not for anyone else but me. Um, Because I probably spend 40% of the time that I'm, quote, working is probably, maybe not quite 40, maybe 30. A third of my time that I'm, quote, working is on my phone. Mm. And probably of the, let's say, other 70%, 40% of that is probably on my iPad Pro. And then the other 30% is either on my MacBook Pro or my iMac. So um, I use my phone for all email, almost all of my email. And I like Spark for that, just in case people are curious. I've talked about Spark before. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing I like about Spark the best is two things, really. One, let's say I get an email from somebody with a story idea or something, or somebody responds to me, I can just with like one tap, send that email to my Trello board. And then my research assistant can do her thing and make sense of it for me. So I really like that. Or I can make a PDF and save it to Dropbox or there's a bunch of things you can do, but you can't do that from the default mail app. You can't do it from the Gmail app. I really like that ability. Um, I'm just looking at the home screen of my phone right now. So Dropbox is a big, huge one for me. I use Dropbox for everything. I use it on all my devices. Um, I know I know people use Google Drive. I have a Google Drive. I use it for storing Google Photos because it's basically my backup of my...
1: I I do the same thing for Photos. Everything yeah. is automatically backed up to my right. Google Photos.
0: So that's like my second version. I also... It has a little bit of a benefit to me because I often will review Android phones and then they also sync to the Google Photo Library. So then I have all of them in one place. Um, and, but Dropbox for me is it's just, I have everything in there. I have a two terabyte Dropbox and it's about, it's almost half full because I store literally all my documents, all of our podcast episodes, all of the source files, all of the logic files and all of the final files. They're all stored in Dropbox. And I love that in iOS 14, I'm going to show Jess, but I don't know if you can see that or not, but the widget has you like you can one tap scan a document and it'll open up the camera in dropbox and just scan a document for you like i i, I scan documents I like Dropbox all the time and just throw them away and now i have a pdf of it instead and it's mm-hmm. just saved in dropbox and then there's also a widget i don't know if you probably can't see that it's too bright but there's a widget that allows you to um say show your starred dropbox files and folders so like i have a starred 29 step, so i can just one click access the the um the podcast folder for example in Dropbox. Nice. so i love dropbox i i use it for sharing that's how you send me your side of the recordings after the like it's just mm-hmm. that one's kind of a deal deal breaker for me um slack i hate slack you have to use slack everybody uses slack I wish that that wasn't true, but it is. Um, for a calendar app, I use Fantastical.
1: I've used which, that before.
0: Which is, you do it. I think there's a free version, but the paid version has like all the good features. Uh, I really, really like it. I didn't used to like it. One of the things is I like what, about it. Is, go ahead. Is
1: that what Sunset turned into? Was Fantastical?
0: No, I think that they are different. Um, this is made by Flexibits. Um, okay. And it's really, it's a it's a great calendar app i love that it knows if you have a zoom meeting and it'll just have a one tap join button in Ooh, I like that. without you having to even do anything about it it has a great widget has a great apple watch app so i love i really love um Flex uh fantastical one of the things i like about it is when you enter a new event you can just literally type like lunch tomorrow at 12 with frank and it'll it'll know what that means, right? And it'll even know who Frank is if if it's one of your common contacts and stuff. So fantastic. I have help. to
1: try that again because when I used it, I think they were in the early stages. And wasn't
0: that may be cool. true. So um, Ulysses, I use Ulysses for writing everything. That's my mm-hmm. writing app. And I like even having it on my iPhone because what I'll often do you know, this as a writer, sometimes you have words in your head and you have to get them out because you think about how to say a certain thing that you want to say in an article you're writing. And if you don't do it now, you won't remember. You'll lose it forever. You will not remember. And often the things I'm writing, I'm, I have to make a point, right? They are not, they're not. Like I have to have a take on it. And so if that take comes to me, I have to like get it down. So I love in using Ulysses and this part is not unique to Ulysses, but I use the voice transcription a ton where I'll just say the thing that I want to write right into Ulysses. And then on my iPad pro, since it syncs using iCloud to all my devices, whatever it was that I came up with in my moment of brilliance in the grocery store will then be available for me when I sit down to actually write it. So that's good.
1: Do the people at the grocery store look at you like a crazy person when you're dictating into your
0: Ulysses app? It really depends on what I'm writing about. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on what I'm writing about.
1: <laughs> I used to, uh, to self-edit. I worked, I freelanced for a company where uh, I didn't really have an editor. And what one of the things I would do is I would read the entire article to myself out loud and there's programs that will do it for you if you don't want to do it. But my son walked into the room one day and he was like, "Mom, are are you okay? You're just talking to yourself." Right. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. "No, this is how I edit because I need to read it out loud to catch any errors." So, yeah, it's good stuff.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so I love Ulysses, especially for writing. Um, and then whatever I write in Ulysses, then I just have to transfer to wherever it is that it's going to get published, obviously. Um, I use things, we've talked about that a bunch of times, so I won't go too far into that. One of the things I learned recently, I may have mentioned it, I know I talked about it in the episode where we interviewed Sean Block from the suite setup mm-hmm. uh, on the iPad version, you can literally just open the app and start writing, and it will recognize your fa- your handwriting if you're using the Apple Pencil, the scribble, and it'll turn it into a to do. So it's kind of combines that having a notepad to write on, right? And yeah, them into to dos. Mm-hmm. And then Pocket Casts is the podcast player that I prefer, um, although I subscribe to one podcast that I that you actually have to pay for. And so I actually have to use the Apple podcast app for that. Wow. Uh, um,
1: I've started using mostly the Apple podcast, but there was, I use Stitcher a lot in the past. Okay. Um, Stitcher is a, a great podcast player, but there's no shortage of them available. Right. I that's like, how I used to write. Remember in my articles you'd edit. There's no shortage.
0: <laughs> yes. We won't even go there. No. Um, I also really like the overcast podcast app. The reason I switched, quite frankly, is because there was a better Apple Watch app for Pocket Cast. Ironically, I just listened on the subway, headed back to record this, to a podcast that I will include a link in the show notes from Marco Arment, who is a developer who does overcast, that he's like rewriting the watch app for his app for his podcast app for overcast so i'll be interested to see how that changes because i really did like the phone app pretty well enough that i even paid for it so i've paid for his app for the premium version and i'm not even using it
1: wow Good
0: for uh, me. But there you go. he, he got my 10 bucks <laughs> or whatever it is. But he deserves it. He does a good job. And then the last one is Lightroom. I use the Lightroom app for, for editing photos because I also use the Lightroom app. Oh, there's a picture of from a long, long, long time ago. Um, but I use it for like photos from my real camera for editing, but it syncs my library across my Macs, my iPhone, and my, my iPad. And the nice thing about it is it's literally exactly the same on the iPad. I can you have all the same tools that you have on the Mac. So anything you okay. can do on the Mac version, you can edit. But I love being able to use the pencil to do that. So that's kind of nice. So. That
1: is cool. When you mentioned that, it, this just this conversation made me think about. Remember when we just saved all of our documents to an actual hard drive, versus now everything being, I mean, for the large majority, right. everything being on the cloud. It's insane. Like, I, there's no way I could have everything I needed on my computer if I just had to store it on my my MacBook Air. But having right. it in the cloud is crazy. And like, I pay what an extra ninety nine cents for more Google Drive space every month, and that's it. Right. But anyway, that was that was just a takeaway I thought I had about that because I remember back in the day and my Microsoft and Carta up. Obsession <laughs> when I used to just like save everything to the desktop. And I know some people still do that because I'll be on Zoom sometimes, and then you can see their screen. And you just see all the icons over. Uh, the do you do but, that?
0: But I can't talk to people like that. I can't be. Okay. I can't I, be friends.
1: Okay. Well, all right, then we you have something in common because I don't do that either. And it blows my mind when I see that on people's desktops. I'm like, how do you live? But that's how people look at my phone. They're like, they look at all my notifications, and they're like, how do you live like that? especially on days like today, which is my birthday. So my friends and family are, you know, blowing up my phone and whatever. Um, it's just like, how do you deal with that many little red notifications?
0: Um, but. Yeah. It gives me anxiety. Just thinking about people's desktops with stuff all over. I just, I don't know why, but I, I can't handle that. I have on my desktop, on my Mac right here, four folders. I have, well, not four folders. There's the hard drive icon. There is a Dropbox icon, a Google drive icon, And then there is a shortcut to a folder within the Dropbox for the podcast because I'm frequently going in and out of that one. So that's it. And I will save things to the desktop, but they have to go somewhere Uh I can't handle. And even screenshots, there's a cool feature in Dropbox that it will take all your screenshots and put them in a folder called screenshots. Because I take a lot of screenshots for articles and stuff, Uh but I don't want them all over my desktop. So they go straight into that folder. Um, But you said something interesting. So like I have... My MacBook Pro, this 13 inch one, has a two terabyte hard drive. I didn't get the four terabyte, I got the two terabyte hard drive. But I don't save hardly anything locally on it other than apps. I save everything in Dropbox, and that's one of the things I really like about it. And it's not exclusive, I'm not saying that this is entirely unique to Dropbox, but I really like how the smart sync feature shows me everything in my Dropbox, but it only downloads the things I either need or the things I tell it, no, I want a copy of this actually stored locally. So if I'm working on a podcast, all of those files are saved on the hard drive in my Dropbox. As soon as we publish that episode, I change that and they just are in the cloud because I don't need them on my computer anymore. But if the instant I want them, it'll just download them back to my computer. But, it, it, but it's transparent. They're, they look like they're all there. Mm-hmm. Right. I can see them. I can click to open them. It just takes it a second to download them. But for most things, it's a great. App. Yeah. It's
1: like when I, uh, when I put my recording yep. after we, after we finish up and I'll drop it into Dropbox and then delete it off my computer because I don't want it up on there, taking up in right. space. So right. It's yeah. It's a, it's a brave, brave new world.
0: So new-o book. <laughs> so. So we had one other thing we wanted to kind of talk about and we started talking about this before, oh. and I'm going to let you sort of, sort of steer the ship. And that's to talk about kind of like workplace culture and some of the things, cause I know that where you work, they do a, well, my experience was that they did a really good job of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously for myself, my workplace culture is the kids knock on the door to let me know mm-hmm. that someone isn't doing what they want. So we, we will set that aside. Yeah.
1: And I think that actually, well, let's table this for later, but let's talk more about gig economy a little bit on a different episode since that's sure. becoming a big thing uh, with the you know the current world we're living in. But workplace culture, this is a huge thing to me. Actually, I'd never told you this, I don't think, but in my master's program, I wrote about this a lot. Um, my master's is in public administration, which I use none of. Anyway, <laughs> so the work you do every day is – The work you do. You can enjoy your work. You can enjoy, like, I enjoy writing. But if I worked with people I didn't enjoy working with and that weren't supportive and I didn't feel like we were part of a team, that would completely disrupt how I enjoyed the work that I did, if that really makes sense. Like, I wouldn't enjoy the writing. I wouldn't be as good of a writer because I didn't have people that, um, like, surrounded by people that actually care about what we're doing. And I'm not doing the best job explaining this, but. I would argue, I would argue that the the people you work with is just as or more important than the work that you do. If you don't like the people and trust the people that you work with and collaborate on a daily basis, everyone's work suffers. So, creating an intentional culture, I think, is something a lot of companies miss out on. Like, um, where I work, I've had the best remote culture I've ever experienced, and I've had a few. I had one where I worked remote, where everyone, it was most people in the office and all the community engagement managers, which was what I did, uh, were kind of like, we felt like we were never in the loop with anything. We didn't use Slack. We only had phone calls. We didn't do video calls and we never knew what was going on. Yeah. It's completely 180 difference from where I work now is everyone supports each other. Like the people who I work with, they know uh, they care about my freaking animals. They, like, my cat had to have surgery, and someone would keep asking, you know, how is Sparky doing? You know, and I, without me even prompting, they know my kids' names. They like, um, I'm on our culture committee now, and my daughter Savannah, like, she helps me like through a whole culture event as we did a tour of my house. You know, those things, those little things matter, especially when we are so isolated right now and we're isolated in our homes largely. And I think human connection matters. And if you have a great work culture, people produce their best work when they're happy at work. I don't know if you've ever read any of Sean Aker's work with a happiness Mm -hmm. advantage. Actually, um, when I worked at the National MS Society, I got to see him in person at one of our summits. And his book is all about how being happy at work makes your organization thrive. And we can um, we can link to him in the show notes too mm-hmm. he's got some really interesting research and um, a lot of a lot of cool stuff but that's my mo on culture I think for a lot of companies it's just these core values they slap up on the wall and then they never think about them again but I think it's vital and crucial that your company actually lives by your core values and you know keeps a, a keen eye in the vision and mission to work together
0: so what are like what are a couple you said you're on the culture committee but what are a couple of the like practical things that where you work that they do to, so and just tiny bit of context for people listening i think it's still true you can tell me if this is not correct that everyone right now in your company's remote but that normally like if this was not a pandemic there's like 40 people who work in midtown new york and well, it's uh, like 15 now Okay. So, <laughs> all right. But then the rest, you know, 80% of the company was always remote. I, I just wanted to clear that up. Like the company was built on the idea that it was going to have remote mm-hmm. people.
1: Right. And we would get rid of our office if we could. Our CEO has made that clear, but we're going right. to leave. Uh, so what? what's the, qu- let me
0: tease. The what's- question is what are some of the things that you, that, that you guys do like specific things to try to build that culture culture. yeah
1: yeah um great question so we do some things we do social hours or whatever like this friday we're coming to the all company in costume (laughs) you know something simple like that we did and i was so proud of this because it was my idea and people voted for it we got a fsb world tour which was hosted by travel carrots I don't know if we can, <laughs> so.
0: we'll have to save that for another time, but yeah, yeah,
1: we may. Okay. So we did like a world tour and actually our CEO even got on there and he did, um, he did a whole presentation of his city in New Jersey. And then we had someone else that did a video of something else. And then we had someone else just, um, our C CFO, CRO, our chief revenue officer. Uh, she did a, um, no, she was just there. She didn't present Um, I showed people around my house, Um, other people just did some really interesting things. And it helped us feel, I think, more connected, because Mm -hmm. we don't see each other on a daily basis. By this point, I mean, I've met you once in person at this point, getting on a zoom call with you, or anyone that I work with, it feels like real life. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like once you do it so much, it doesn't feel like, oh, I don't I feel like I genuinely know you as a person. And I don't I've met you once in my life. <laughs>
0: and- yeah. And so for context, so I was Jess's editor for maybe a year ish. And, yeah. um, and I mean, I live in Michigan. She lives in Arkansas, the company's in New York. And at one point, I think it was before I was your editor. It was. Yeah. They brought, they did a all company, not an all company. They did a divisional onsite meeting where we all got to, so that, so most of the i had been to the office a couple times other than that in new york so i the people in new york ironically i had met in person more times than the person i reported to and any of the people who reported to me
1: right and i just think we get used to that i think there's and i think that's going to change the way we work permanently um, with video conferencing and being people are now realizing that they don't have to be in the same physical space to like to have a to have a good culture and have events. It's, I mean, some of the other events. You I mean, kind of expanding on that question. We do um, sometimes we'll play uh, online games for a social event. Uh, sometimes we'll have a little happy hour. Um, we'll do a little costume contest. We did a scavenger hunt. I won. No big deal. Uh, but you know, lots of like cool things like that that aren't um, that aren't mandatory. I think the biggest challenge is getting people to participate because they get so wrapped up in their work, but. I always try to say something like, when's the last time you ever went to a culture event we had online and you regretted it? Oh, me too, never. <laughs> I always right. enjoy going if I actually carve out some time to do it. And I think that increased like it helps the cohesiveness co- co- de- co- de- of a team, and it's scientifically proven that people that like to ge- like each other work to better better right. together. So
0: And I think it's interesting. Because that company has always had an, a part of the team that were remote, it was just second nature to, to do some of that, although it really took off when everybody went remote. I think that it might be true for companies that people are used to like working in an office together, and then they go home, that the like the virtual cocktail hour things. Mm. I wonder how long, I think that starts to feel old pretty quick, but I think because it's a part of the culture, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is the culture at the company that you work at makes it possible to do those types of things that Mm -hmm. rebuild, that reinforce the culture. They didn't determine the culture in the first place because they can't, right? If your culture doesn't include that sort of connection, those things feel awkward and weird. Right.
1: And I think it's a really important thing for companies that are remote right now that aren't usually remote to take note of. Because for example, my fiance's company, they would have quarterly department events where they would go out and go bowling or they go have a happy hour or they go to an escape room. They're not doing any of those things now and they're not using any video conferencing. So they're, uh, you know, and they've all, they're, kind of demoralized right now because everyone's gone down um hours have been reduced while the company is you know in a Mm -hmm. rebuilding transition and so they're not spending any time on making sure their culture is good and having types different types of events that people can participate in so i would encourage if you know you lead a company or a department and you're not used to being remote focus on your team and make sure that they spend time together because all of a sudden you're going to be back at the office and no one's going to know each other anymore next year sometime.
0: (laughs) And and one of the ways that you can do this without it feeling like forced is, I guess I'd have two suggestions that are similar, but slight variations. The first is just invite everybody to lunch, right? Just like, it doesn't have to be, because I understand, like I have four kids. I don't want to do a world tour scavenger hunt at six o'clock at night because that's Mm -hmm. The middle of all the stuff we're doing our kids. I understand that. And there's probably a lot of people who are like that, but you know what? If someone said, or well, I'm just going to get on Zoom, we'll chat for a little bit, bring your lunch. It's what you would normally do if you all went to Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the same thing. Just do that. And it's fine. And it's informal, or sometimes it's harder if you work across time zones, Mm -hmm. that's common to do office hours say hey guess what I'm gonna be on zoom at three o'clock my time for half an hour anybody wants to come come if nobody shows up I'll go back to work if you come I don't have an agenda we'll just chat about non-work things for half an hour and then that usually takes I mean that doesn't require a manager to do that anybody can be like come to open office hours let's just talk so I think take that initiative it doesn't have to feel like a formal social hour it can just be a thing
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we we have some people um where i where i work that do that now and then
0: so i feel like that's actually a good place to sort of wrap it up i would be really interested anybody who's listening to this if you have figured out something that works really well to help reinforce a positive culture at your workplace send them to us in addition if you have a favorite app that you feel like you can't live without i want to hear about that too i'll make sure that our twitter information is in the show notes